This is episode five of the Remix Your World podcast with Stephen Massey. Welcome to Remix Your World. I'm Allison Kalagna, global DJ and music producer turned life remixer and personal growth coach. In each episode, we bring you real talk, inspiring stories, and heartfelt conversations of personal transformation to help you uplift and amplify your life. This is the Remix Your World podcast. Just a heads up, if you are new to meditating and you have no idea where to start and are looking for a little guidance, I've got something for you. I produce something called the Mindful Mixtape and I'll send it to you. It's five guided meditations led by me, all put to music. If you are interested in downloading this, text the words meditate now to 44222 and I'll send that to you now. Or you can find it at remixyourworld.com. Yo, check this out. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Remix Your World podcast. Today, I will be interviewing Stephen Massey, aka DJ Grind. Stephen has done some pretty amazing things in his careers, but I wanted to speak to him today about something a little more personal and to have him share his powerful story of transformation. Stephen and I have shared many conversations on the dance floor, and in fact, he was the very first person in my DJ community that even knew about Remix Your World. And now here we are, years later, he's on the show. How awesome is that? So let's jump in. Here is my interview with Stephen Massey. So if you are considering joining CIJ, these will be the last two classes that I will be offering for the rest of the year. You need to jump in and jump in quick. You will hear me talk a lot about CIJ in this podcast and what a difference it's made for me in my life and what a difference it's made for some of my students. Um, So if you're in a place right now where you're figuring you want to just upgrade, up level, remix and rework, then I highly encourage you and invite you to join me on a powerful eight-week journey through self-discovery. You can find out all the information about CIJ at remixyourworld.com slash CIJ. If you want me to text you, text the words summer CIJ to 44222. That's summer CIJ, all one word, to 44222, and I'll text you all the information. I hope to see you in class. Yo, check this out. Stephen Massey is a social entrepreneur who's worked in the social sector for more than two decades, both in the United States and abroad. As a White House National Security Fellow, he was the youngest staff person on the National Security Council staff during the Clinton administration and later served at the American Embassy in Lima, Peru. When he was 22, Stephen co-founded an HIV-AIDS policy organization in Russia and spent four years in Moscow working with government officials, business leaders, media executives, and community groups to raise awareness and motivate action in response to the country's surging AIDS epidemic. He later served as staff director for Global Media AIDS Initiative, a UN-sponsored movement to mobilize the world's biggest media companies in response to HIV-AIDS. Today, Stephen is co-founder and principal of Meteorite Social Impact Advisors, a boutique consulting and communication agency 
that partners with progressive organizations, forward-thinking brands, and visionary philanthropists to create solutions to society's complex challenges. Now, most of you know Stephen as an accomplished DJ and music producer. He's toured the world under his stage name, DJ Grind. He's well-known on the gay circuit for his joyful brand and uplifting anthems and feel-good house music. And he's headlined many of the world's biggest gay events, featuring Winter Party, White Party Palm Springs, Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras, among many others. He's based in Portland, Oregon. He's also the unofficial taste tester of his partner's award-winning artisan bakery. Hashtag, that's lots of gluten. Stephen is a senior graduate of the Landmark Curriculum for Living, as well as Landmark Communications course. He just turned 40, and he's feeling transformed. Woohoo! Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh, yeah! So, welcome to the show, Mr. Stephen Massey. Well, thank you, Ms. Kalagna. Good to see you. It's good to see you, too. They don't know we can see, well, we can see each other, but they can't see us, but you do look That's handsome. Right. Well, you look gorgeous as always. <laughs> so, I'm happy to have you on the show. Um, you, Thanks for having me. I, I'm happy that you mean the world to me, and Aww. I remember our lovely conversations, and I love you on and off the dance floor. So, like, I just am really happy to have you, and especially everything that you're going through now. I thought it's the perfect time to have you here. You just celebrated a milestone birthday, and you're up forty. To some, oh my gosh, up to some big things. Forty. Yes. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> so we're just going to have a conversation. That's it. We're just going to have a conversation about some time in your life that you had to choose between turning a crisis into an opportunity. Amazing. It, it can be any moment that you want to share. Um, yeah. So I want to just start there. So think of, let's just rewind the record and think of a moment, the first moment that maybe comes to you that you knew like, oh shit, I need to remix something. Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. First of all, I want to say thank you for having me, um, on the show because I am just so inspired by you, Allison, in Mm. like a a million ways. Um, and you know that, uh, like we're connected as soul spirits and I just love you to death and I'm so proud of what you're doing with your life. Mm, Um, and remix your will is just a manifestation of just how much love you have in your heart. So I am thrilled to be here, um, Mm. and chatting with you today. You know, I think if I look back in my life, I, um, I recognize that I've had lots of uh, incredible moments, but a lot of, I've hidden from the world for a long time, um, some really traumatic experiences I had um, in my past. Mm. And as I was approaching my 40th birthday this year, I kind of really took a hard look at my life and mm. felt that I had been missing something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, on the one hand, I'm such a kind of fortunate person because I get to do really incredible things um, in my professional life, in my music life. I have a beautiful partner. I have an incredible set of friends. Uh, my social structure is uh, just you know magnificent. And yet I found that I wasn't really present to the greatness that was around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people experience that. You know, we kind of go through life and we are um, constantly moving from one thing to the next and working harder and um, missing out on what is actually present in that moment. And as I was sort of approaching my 40th birthday late last year, I was feeling, wow, I'm, I'm not happy. And how can that be? Because, you know, 
I think people who know me as a musician, as an artist, as a DJ, you know, it's like, let the joy rise. You know, it's not, a, it's not a coincidence that the first song that I ever released was a song called Let the Joy Rise, mm-hmm. because that is what I feel in my soul, yet I, I'm not always present to joy. Mm. And um, yeah, so I've been really working hard over the past few months to get present to that. And also um, really cleaning up some of the difficulties in my past that have mm. been shaping uh, my future. You know, I, I haven't been able to really think about my future in any context other than the life I ended up with in my past. And that really needed a transformation. Yeah. Do you want to speak about that or? Yeah. Well, I mean, so here's, you know, the, the, the story um, is, uh, first of all, I should say that I've been um, using Landmark, <clears throat> Landmark, which is a, a kind of journey into the self um, mm-hmm. in a, a series of courses. Um, I've been using Landmark as a toolkit and as a process to kind of undergo a transformation. And what I got in the first uh, program that Landmark offers, which is called the Landmark Forum, is a real understanding of the past um, mm-hmm. and separate what actually happened in my past from the story of what happened. Yeah. And, you know, just to be really honest with everyone here, and a lot of people I think who are listening will have no idea uh, that some of these things are in my past. But as a child, uh, my mom, um, it was a, first of all, my parents were divorced when I was very young. My mom had several husbands. My mom, my dad had several wives before I turned 18. Um, and um, during my childhood, my mom attempted suicide a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a pretty difficult life. Um, and yet, uh, from that, you know, I was able to be really successful in school and graduate number one in my class and go on to Ivy League colleges and all these things um, without really coming to terms with what happened Mm. and the trauma of that childhood. Um, Over the years, I I began to pile on to the relationship with my mom all sorts of blame for everything that was happening in my life. One of the things that I blamed her for was my first real relationship, which lasted about six years. in my early 20s, um, and my partner, um, who was, a little, was older than I was, um, but he and I were together about six and a half years, and uh, I came home one night from work, and I found him in the bathtub, mm. and he had uh, slit his arms six times, and he had slit his neck uh, seven times, and uh, he'd written all over my apartment in his blood messages to me, mm. and you know, I was about 25 when that happened, um, and I, it was by far the most traumatic moment of my life because when someone slices their neck, yeah. uh, you can't get much more, you can't get closer to death than that. And mm-hmm. you know what, I, what, I, what? He actually lived. I, uh, I walked in, I found him, he was unconscious. I held him together, literally, and got him in an ambulance and got him to the hospital and he lived. Wow. But I hadn't really engaged with him um, for 17 years. Um, until very recently. But what, you know, during that ensuing period, I made that experience one that um, really shaped and limited what I could be or what I could do in life. Um, And I piled a lot of the blame for that on my mom. You know, and in fact, one of the things that I got, you know, out of, one of the messages I told myself was that, well, look, if you're, partner did this and your mother did this, like what's the common denominator? Mm. 
And I was subsequently kind of married. I was subsequently married to somebody who, who said those words to me. Um, and so I heard that loud and clear. And I was, I don't think I was present to how much that was affecting my life. But I think Allison, every single day since the day that I found in her apartment, mm-hmm. uh, every single day I have been living underneath the burden of that story. Yeah. So, you know, what Landmark has really helped me do, and the Landmark form in particular, it's about kind of um, having closure and cleaning up your past. And so, you know, closure with and cleaning up your past. And um, Landmark has been really, has really forced me to be authentic about uh, myself and my past and take responsibility for the things in my past that I need to take responsibility for. And also separate what happened in my past from the story that I've created about what happened. And what I've learned is that, you know, about 1% of life is, is actually what happened. And 99% of life is the way that we act, we react yes. to what happened. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so, yeah. You know, when you kind of, when I started separating that out and I saw these two Venn diagrams on the chalkboard, it did not, and I, I guess they're not Venn diagrams because they don't overlap, right? But mm-hmm. there's these two circles on the chalkboard. It's like, what happened? And then the story of what happened, well, right. what actually happened as a child is my mom, you know, tried to kill herself a couple of times. That sucks. But the story of what happened, mm-hmm. what I've been living inside of, you know, the story yeah. that uh, I wasn't good enough or that my mom, you know, treated me like shit and fucked up my life and all of that. Well, actually, all that story isn't true. Actually, mm-hmm. none of that is true. You know, my mom actually really created an amazing childhood for me. Mm. When you, like, when you boil down to what actually it is, yeah. she, first of all, she's the source of my life. She, I always had a roof over my head. I was always fed. I was always clothed. You know, not only was I clothed, but when we didn't have a ton of money, she still bought me the nice clothes so the kids wouldn't make fun of me at school. Mm. You know, I was able to go to the best high school in Phoenix because she moved into that neighborhood so that I could be there. You know, that I didn't just graduate from high school. Like I graduated number one at my class and I did that because she supported me every step of the way. And yes, she made some unfortunate choices when I was a kid, but at the end of the day, my mom did an amazing job and she raised an amazing kid. And I was completely blind to that, Allison, until about three months ago. Because all I was doing was living in this story that my mom fucked up my life. Yeah. And that's like not true. Right. And it's like staying at all. It's like you have the opportunity to be the victim. You were, you were victimized in some point, but you don't have to live as the victim. You don't have to stay in that. Well, that Allison is exactly what I got was like, Oh my God, I've been living as a victim for Mm -hmm. 24 years since this happened. Yeah. And there's no power in that. No. You know, as a victim, you're just the victim of other people's whatever. Yeah. You know, and, and what my mom did was 24 years ago. Mm-hmm. Why am I living inside of that today? Like, why is that even affecting me today? It doesn't have to. Right. What's affecting me is the story. Like, she did what she did or didn't do what she didn't do, but I have created this story. And the story has literally prevented me from having a real relationship with my mother for 20 years. Yeah, You know, we kind of look past each other. The holidays are awkward. We don't 
my mom actually said the like, last Christmas, not the most recent Christmas, but the year before, when I was home for Christmas, and I go home just once a year because that's like all I can kind of handle, right? Mm. Well, she would go off and drive in the car for several hours, tell me she, was, she had to go work. But she didn't. She just drove around town because she didn't want to be with me. Mm. That's how bad it had gotten. Yeah. We literally did not want to even be in the same room same together. Room. When we only yeah. spent like two or three days a year in the same vicinity, she couldn't even be in the same room with me. And I didn't want her there. Yeah. And so, you know, through the Landmark Forum, I was able to make that call to my mom. And I invited her to come to Portland, which is where I took the forum, and be with me for the last night of the, of the Landmark Forum. And I picked her up at the airport at like, I don't know, 5.30. The Landmark Forum closing session was at 7. So we had about 90 minutes to have a cleanup conversation. Yeah. And it only took about 30 like we went to Red Robin, we had a burger and I was like, Hey mom, you know, I can't believe that I have lived for 24 years inside of a story that you were a terrible mom. And I just want to apologize to you for doing that. And I, I want to acknowledge you. You are an amazing human being. And it was literally, Allison, the first time that I had, I looked at a human being sitting across the table from me and my mother. Because I had just created a character, of, you know, this caricature, this villain of her. And over, in, in 30 minutes, I was able to clean it up, apologize for withdrawing from her for 24 years, making her something horrible, blaming her for what my partner did in his suicide attempt. They had nothing to do with one another. Right. Those were two choices made by two completely different people. And yet I had like assigned all this blame. And then I, after that, I was married and divorced. I blamed her for that because that's the only thing that I had knew was marriage and divorce. And that's just all bullshit. Bullshit. Story. It's all story. Blaming her. Yeah. And so, you know, what's, what's, what has become possible through that, Allison, is like this amazing relationship with my mom Mm -hmm. that I never, in November of last year, when I started the Landmark Forum, I didn't even know was possible. I had no idea that I had that I could be best friends with my mom. There would be just no way that that could be possible. And now I'm like talking to her nearly every day for like an hour, hour and a half, and we're talking about life and and like literally just like best of friends. And it's because I owned my shit. I separated story from what happened yeah. and embraced her as a human being and the source of my life. And in that is just like there's so much beauty. There's so much power. Mm-hmm. There's real power and choice now. So much more power that I have now than I did when I was a victim. Yeah. Living inside of this like story of my mom. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's been amazing. It's yeah. been, and, you know, I also got through this process. Um, it took me a little longer, I'll be honest. Um, but I called my ex, the mm. one who tried to kill himself. And uh, it took me a while to get there. And it took a lot of coaching. And it took a lot of strength because I was living inside of a story Um, and I, I don't think I was present to the guilt that I had around that situation. Mm. Um, and one thing that I, that I hadn't told anybody until the landmark forum was that, um, the night I found him, um, I was cheating on him. Mm. I was, and that's what he wrote on the walls. And, you know, it doesn't matter that we had an open relationship because we did. Um, that was a choice we made. But I wasn't, I was cheating on him both in practice, um, but also just emotionally. And I was lying to him. Mm. So I was. I was just a jerk. 
an inauthentic jerk who was cheating on his boyfriend. Mm. And that sucks. Yeah. But what I also recognized was that my choice, um, didn't have a lot to do with what decision or what choice he made that night. Mm. Yeah. You know, and which what is, I had just powerful is, to get to that because you could easily have gone down the victim train of that too, as well. Of like, Oh, I have, this is all you know, my fault. My <laughs> fault. He did this because of me, all yeah. of that. When he, he chose. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I have, you know, for the past, it's happened 17 years ago. So for 17 years, I had been living inside of the guilt Mm. of that experience. Um, and I, and I, and I have, it's shaped and colored every single day of my life. Yeah. And I, um, you know, I, I have nightmares. I, I had nightmares two or three nights a week. Um, I've been, relived that moment so mm. many times finding him so many times. Um, and, and so, you know, what I was able to do with some coaching, um, and kind of the distinctions and landmark is to, really own my part in that mm-hmm. um, and have make the call that I needed to make, you know, and, I, and, and, and it wasn't that complicated. You know, it was, it was, if you had asked me what was the, the thing that I was most afraid of in life, mm. it was to ever be in communication with him. And I was able to do it. And it actually, once I got him on the phone, it wasn't that hard, you know, like I, and, and the way it worked, it was really, it was pretty simple. I called him. You know, I had always lived, I can never find him. Well, it took me about five minutes to find him. So, you know, that was pretty easy. When I found him, I made the call. He picked up the phone. He had no idea that I was calling. Um, so it was completely out of the blue. He was shocked. Um, and I said, you know, hey, it's, it's me. Um, and I, uh, I just want to acknowledge you um, for the incredible life we created together. And, you know, we were together seven years during a really formative period of my life from, mm. you know, 19 to 26. And uh, you met me when I was a student in Georgetown and we moved to New York together and we created a life together and you were there for me to support me through the end of my undergraduate peer- years. You know, I worked at the White House. You were there to support me through that. Um, you know, we, I, I went to grad school. I created an organization in Russia and you were there to support me every step of the way we had we took my grandmother to, you know, to Europe together. We spent time traveling. We did all these things. It was just like such an amazing, informative period of my life. And I want to apologize to you for the jerk that I was. Mm. That I, I just was a jerk. I wasn't always authentic with you. I worked real hard um, and sometimes dove into my job instead of really focusing on a relationship. You know, I asked you to move with me to New York create a life together. And then we moved to New York and we created a life. And then I went off and worked all the time mm. and wasn't really present to our relationship. And yeah, I cheated on you and I lied to you about it. And I'm really sorry that I've spent the past 17 years only thinking about our relationship by the way it ended mm. and not really honoring you for the six and a half or whatever, seven years that we spent together that were really amazing. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm really sorry. And I want to give you an opportunity to tell me what it was like to be with me. Yeah. And he said, he was shocked, first of all, that I was calling. I could hear him crying on the other line. And he said, you know, Stephen, are you calling because of what I'm going through right now? And I had no idea what he was mm. going through. I told him no. And he said, you know, it's, the timing of this call is really interesting because I'm getting divorced. 
this week. Wow. Um, and I said, you know, no idea. And I'm really sorry to hear that. And he said, you know, it's just um, part of the reason I'm getting divorced is because I am not able to have emotion. Mm. And this is the first time I've cried in 17 years, like on this call. And, um, you know, I, uh, I've always wanted to make this call, but I never had the strength to do it. Yeah. And um, he's like, if you want to know what it was like to be with you, I'll tell you being with you is extraordinary because you're an extraordinary person. But sometimes I would tell you things and you just weren't present. Mm. And I did the one thing that got your attention. Wow. And yeah, you did. Yeah. And he, he said, you know, I can't even imagine what it was like for you walking in on that apartment that time. Yeah. And I said, it sucked. It was fucking hard. Mm. And it's been hard every single day since. But it doesn't mean to me anymore what it meant 20 minutes ago <laughs> mm. because I am talking to like one of my best friends I've ever had, yeah. you know, I'm talking to someone I love. I still love him. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, when I start talking about the amazing ways that he shaped my life, I have nothing but love, profound love for that man. Yeah. And yet for 17 years, I could only see what I saw in the bathtub mm. and the messages on the walls. And that's not, that's not even who he is. Yeah. And so, you know, what, what, what was able to happen in, a, in the course of a 30-minute phone call was to transform the most painful moment of my life to really transform it into completely empty and meaningless. Yeah. And from that like create an opportunity to build a friendship with someone that really means a lot to me, someone I really love. And, you know, it's been remarkable over the past two months. Like we've been in contact. I I talked to him last night for half an hour. Um, Yeah. And, and, you know, talking just about what's going on in life and as if, as if no time had passed, as if we were still kids living in New York, um, you know, in, in the apartment we built together. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, it's just, it's so powerful that it doesn't require years of therapy. It doesn't require fixing and changing anything. Actually, everything is exactly the same. Nothing about me has changed mm-hmm. except the transformation within my heart and with, within my perspective yeah. of those relationships. And in the transformation of my relationship with more access to my mom, I mean, no more blaming her for that. No more blaming for, they had nothing to do with one another. And then there's been freedom for me too. You know, I mean, I've gotten that what the choice that night had, you know, that was a choice he made for lots of reasons, his own reasons that he has in his past and his act and all of that. Yeah. And you know, what happened is what happened. He, we were in a great relationship at some point, just like many relationships it hit some snags. Mm-hmm. We made some bad decisions. We weren't authentic with one another. He wasn't 100% authentic with me either. Yeah. And yet, you know, we allowed, we, we got so far into our own acts that we, you know, it ended in a way that was super traumatic for both of us. Mm-hmm. And neither of us had been able to really get past the way it ended to really celebrate the amazing things that we created together and that we, you know, can create again. Yeah. That's amazing. It's beautiful. It's been amazing. It's been, 
it's been the most important few months of my life. Mm, transformative. Because I have real, I have, I have myself back. I have power. Um, I have power. I'm no longer a victim of anything. Yeah. Yeah. Don't no, have I, to mean, be. I remember in the, um, for me, you know, so I, I, I think Landmark was probably the first, it was kind of my first time I dipped my toe in the personal transformation water. I remember my ex at the time, Jen was super into it. And she was like, yeah. oh, no, you're coming, you're coming, you know. And I remember in that moment with the call, you know, and going outside and having to call my mom and, you know, all of that. It's like, I can just listening to you, you know, say it, it's like, I just can go back. I don't know, it's probably like 10 or 11 years ago into that room and totally see that moment. And it's, it's beautiful to see. And I, and I remember that feeling of like, ah, like, like we would call it yeah. like the landmark high, right? It's like, totally. like what you're in right now. <laughs> totally. I, I remember that. And it's, it's beautiful to witness and to see, you know, and to see that and how awesome that it's like these two relationships have, that have been, so hindered have now just been lifted in such a space for you. I think that's just amazing and beautiful to witness. I love it. It's been, um, yeah, it's, it's been, I didn't know that I didn't know that mm. this could be possible. You know what I mean? It's kind yeah. of like, it, I had this like massive blind spot in mm-hmm. my life that yeah. these two relationships could ever be saved. Mm. Yeah. I had no access to it. And, and, and again, like it doesn't require, it didn't require anything more than me having an authentic conversation with them and separating what happened from the story that I created. That story was created by me, mm-hmm. not yeah. by anybody else. The story was created by me. And it's, you know. And it gets uh, worse the more and more you tell it and more dramatic the more and more you tell it and the more deeper and the more, and it just, it's like, yeah, it just builds and builds and builds. Yeah. It ladders up. And at some point, you know, like you just, you get so entrenched in a story. And what I realized, actually, there's a, there's an exercise in the forum um, where they help you kind of identify something that causes you a lot of pain. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the idea is that um, they, that, you know, kind of through uh, kind of identifying that pain and and kind of finding it in your body. Right. You can kind of breathe through it and then kind of release it. Right. And Mm -hmm. I, I actually don't think that they want you to release it. I think that they want, to you realize how much you're holding on to it. And that's what I got. Like I was able to so I closed my eyes and like I saw the room, you know, I saw the apartment, I saw the bathroom, I saw the bathtub, I saw my ex there. Um and that was the that was the most painful moment, I think, visual that I've ever experienced in my life. Mm. And so when I was able to identify that and sort of breathe through it, I was like, you know, okay, now release it. I clenched my fists. Like I couldn't release it and mm. I didn't want to release it. Right. And that was like, that was my aha moment in landmark. I was like, yeah. Holy shit. I am. This is like super screwed up. Like I don't want to release that horrible image. Why? Mm. Why don't I want to release it? Well, I don't want to release it because my entire life became defined by it. Mm-hmm. Yuck. Yeah. yeah. Here I am pretending like I'm some victim of all these other people's whatever. And I'm the one, I'm like the victim of myself. Yeah, I'm holding on to it. I'm holding on to it. Right. That's just ridiculous. And I couldn't, like, I I literally in that seat, like, couldn't unclench my fists. And that was when, that was my aha moment about Landmark, was just sort of like, whoa, I need to figure out why I'm holding on to this and understand that uh, 
I've created this identity of victim. Mm. That is something I created. No one else did that to me. That's yeah. something that I created and I've perfected. You know, and, and it uh, it's taken it, it's taken a transformation to step outside of that identity. Yeah. Amazing. So you talk about landmark. Obviously, that's a huge tool. Yeah, ma- massive tool for you. It's been a, uh, the biggest piece. What about allies? Who do you think have been the people that in your life that have been the most you know helpful in in this transformation? Well, you know, there's. Uh, it's been interesting over the past few months how. L- Landmark as a set of tools has given me access to deepening relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, my mom, who, uh, you know, in November is when I went through my Landmark Forum and she came to Portland, she registered for her Landmark Forum um, mm-hmm. that night, you know, on, on the Tuesday night graduation yeah. or whatever. Graduation. So, yeah, graduation. <laughs> she did her Landmark Forum in... Uh, in January or February in uh, Phoenix. And so going to Phoenix and being with her for her Sunday night and her Tuesday night and kind of coaching her through her Monday of calls, right. Was it really clean? Like it really uh, allowed me to get deeper into the distinctions of landmark and uh, make them real in my life and transform my mom into this person I didn't know, but just somebody who was like my ally now. Um, mm. in transformation. And so we've kind of got, done it together. We've, we've both kind of been reborn in the past few months together, which is really a cool experience to do with your mom. Yeah. And then she did her landmark advanced course actually a week before I did mine. So <laughs> she was kind of schooled in these like more advanced distinctions. And I was calling her all this past weekend when I was doing my advanced course to like talk through the distinctions. It was kind of, we got like so excited on the phone. I probably spent two or three hours with her on the phone over the weekend, like talking through all the landmark advanced course distinctions. We've had this like shared vocabulary. Yeah. Um, my partner, Tim, um, did Landmark about a decade ago. So mm-hmm. he has the, the distinctions and the technology kind of in his own that, vocabulary. And what I, was, I, I remember I we that, talked about that at Disney. Yeah, exactly. And you know, <laughs> Tim is really unique. I mean, we've talked about how um, one of the things that made me really attracted to Tim is a really unique way that he approaches life. Mm-hmm. And I never really understood that it was because, in part, because of Landmark. that He, mm-hmm. like, he just lives that. Yeah. yeah. And so he's been an ally, um, and uh, our friend Sean um, did the landmark forum with me. So that he's been an ally. Um, but I, I, I also really just want to acknowledge um, two people who really stood for me emphatically mm. to do the landmark forum, um, and that was uh, my friends David and Chris. Mm. And uh, we were on Lake Powell together last summer, and uh, you know it's kind of a magical place, and there were these moments when we were on Lake Powell that I really wasn't present to the greatness that was that experience. You know, I was, um, first of all, I was disconnected from the world, which makes it really hard for me because I'm a workaholic and that's Mm -hmm. my act. Um, So when I'm not connected, all of a sudden I have to confront what is my life. Mm -hmm. And so we were out on the lake, disconnected from the world in this like amazing, beautiful setting. And I was having breakdowns about my past and, Mm -hmm. I, until really, until recently, until Landmark, really, I, I wasn't that comfortable talking about my past because I had a lot of shame associated with what happened to my mom and what happened with um, my ex. Um, and so I, I started sharing that with David and Chris. And they said to me, you know, Stephen, 
I, I don't think you're present to how great you are and how great your life is and how great this moment is. Mm. And these are some tools that we've used um, and they're both graduates on forum and the advanced course and the whole curriculum. And so we're, we're going to take a stand for you and we mm. want, we want to help you. We want to bring transformation to your life and your family. And I, you know, sitting on the side of the mountain there in Lake Powell, I was sort of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they were tenacious and they, uh, they, along with my partner, Tim encouraged me to, make it happen, make a difference in my life, take responsibility for my life. And so um, my relationships with them have been transformed because they, they gave me probably the best gift I've ever received. Yeah. Outside of being born. Yeah. Um, I feel like, I mean, I don't, I, the, the word born again is kind of a weird, you know, it has all these uh, connotations associated, associated with it, but I feel yeah, transformed. Yeah. because of born again because of what Chris and David have been able to give me they've given me life mm-hmm. I'm no longer just living the life I ended up with I have real power in creating a future from the future rather than creating a future from my past, past. yeah yeah and yeah. you know thank you David and Chris for giving that to me and to my family I mean my mom and last weekend was my 40th birthday so I, David and his partner Chris hosted me at their beach house um on the Oregon coast. And one of the things that uh, I really wanted to do was to make sure that my mom had a chance to talk to David. Mm. So my mom was in the middle of her advanced course and I was with David. And so I, my, one of my mom's enrollment calls was with David to thank him for giving her life, mm. giving my family life. Yeah. And it's just amazing. Like, and, and that's, that's what's so cool about this process and why I really acknowledge you, Allison, for what you're doing. Mm. Because um, you're not just remixing your world, you're remixing the world. Mm. You really are. You know, transformation, the Landmark Forum and, and what you're doing kind of gets you complete with your past, right? And I'm telling you, I was able to do that in a weekend. Yeah. What's real powerful is living a life of helping others find their transformation. Because that's where there's real a ripple effect in the world. Yeah. You know, you are, you are literally, Allison, remixing the world. Because every life you touch everyone who's listening to this podcast, everyone who is transformed as a result of the work you're doing, it's not just transforming them. It's like transforming everyone in their social circle, in their lives. And the power of that ripple effect is just, it's amazing. Words literally, you can't put words to it. You're making me, you're making me cry, kid. Well, you, (laughs) it's powerful stuff. It is. is. It's it's like, you know, I remember when I first did the forum, you know, and like, you know, really getting clear and all of this, you know, it's like, I just remember it. It was such a big, huge moment for me to really start to change, you know? And then after that, my partner at the time, you know, who was the one that took the stand for me, you know, she was like, Oh no, you're, you, you, you come on with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Shortly, you know, after that, it was like, that's when she answered the call. She knew she was supposed to be a coach, right? You know, and so like she was trying to figure it out and she became, she took CIJ as a, as a, as a way to figure out her life. You know, like she was fortunate enough to have um, the woman who's really taken this kind of like outside of Stanford into like the, you know, into the world that CIJ has been in and Jen took it. And I was like the first student in Jen's little class, you know, and like in that first class, Omtronica was born from that first CIJ that many years ago. 
And it's like, I was going into that class of like, I'm, I need to find a way to marry my spirituality and music. And I had no idea what it was going to be. And Omtronica was born out of CIJ. In that class, this was so, so many years ago too. And it's like, I remember the seed being planted of like, I'm going to offer this one day to people in music. I'm going to, you know, and I have no idea how that's going to show up or when it's going to show up or how it's going to show up. And years, you know, this is like a decade later. This is now here. But like I had to go through my own fucking breakdown, you know, just like what you're yeah. describing to like, you know, and I talk about this on, on my interview. I had to get that. That was my allegory, a moment of God damn it. I'm going to remix my life or I'm going to fucking take it. And like to go through it and come out on this side and be transformed. And then it's like this feeling of like, I have, I'm called, it's like I'm called to help others to do it, you know? So like for you to, I appreciate you acknowledging me for that. It's, it's hard to receive a little bit, but it's like, it's what I know I'm supposed to do. It's like the next level of of the, my life for me in terms of, you know, helping people beyond the dance floor, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of like when you, um, when you find something that's so powerful, mm. it's hard to hold it. Hold it. You yourself. can't, you want to share it. It's like music. How do you, yeah. it's, not, it's like, oh my God, have you heard the new, you know, it's like, you right. want to hear, you want to share your favorite song with people. It's yeah. that's the way it is. And how do you and not it, share it, feeling amazing? Exactly. Or like, how do you, you know, and it's the, one of the kind of amazing parts about any one of these experience, you know, these journeys at Landmark just being one of them, but you also get to be witness to other people's transformation, mm-hmm. you know, and you watch these people who look just like all the people we pass on the street every day and don't even look at, you know, yeah. we look past them. Mm-hmm. And then you sit in a room with them for three days and you watch, you get to know them, and then you watch them literally transform in front of your eyes, and they have real power and freedom, and you're just, it's hard not to just want that for everybody. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah because especially, what the world that we would live in. Oh my gosh, exactly. And yeah. especially when it's people that are like, that are really important to you, you know? Mm. And not that everyone isn't important, but when you, like, when you think about, like, you, you kind of like, draw your life on a piece of paper with yourself at the center of it. And then all the friends and family and kind of social circles that you, and that's your social circle. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of at the middle of that feeling transformed, having access to new tools and a new way of living that gives you real power in life that allows you to author the life that you want rather Mm -hmm. than just live the life you ended up with. Mm -hmm. And then you're surrounded by all these people and you want to help them live that way too, because in that, in that transformation, your whole world, your whole social circle is transformed. Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, one of the things that's been really exciting, you know, as I said before, is like watching my mom kind of go through this process of transformation because it's just opened up a whole new realm of possibility in our relationship that wasn't even possible yeah. before we spent two weekends in a, you know, in a landmark course. It was just like, <laughs> whoa, it's crazy. Um, and that's, you know, that's... That's why I really get you now in a mm-hmm. way that I think I, you know, I've always loved you as a friend and a mm-hmm. colleague and looked up to you and, you know, we have a real spiritual connection, Allison. But now I'm just like, wow, Allison is out there in the world 
helping people bring transformation to their lives. Mm. And like, what, what's bigger than that? Like, that's just, to me, just, that's, that's the greatest gift you can give anyone. Mm. It's a calling. It, it's awesome. it is. And thank you for, you know, um, remember when I, I told you were one of the first DJs that I told, I think you actually are the first DJ I told because all my super yeah. close friends knew, but I, we yeah. were on the dance floor one magical weekend Paula was the game, and I said, and and I remember you saying to me, "Are you really going to retire? Are you really, are you really thinking about retiring?" Like, because you would always like nudge me about that. And I'm like, "Yeah, well, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to tell you what I'm doing." And I remember telling you about Remix Your World, and you were like, "Oh my god, I just got goosebumps everywhere. I love the name. I love everything." And I was just like, "Awesome!" And it was such confirmation for me of like, "Yeah, okay, you know, like." you're the first person that I told in, in, in our, in our, you know, in our world. And so it's, well, it's like, and, and you've been, you've been at each step of the way, you know, what, what's awesome was that, you know, Allison, what I, um, we've been connected. Not that we spent a lot of time together, honestly, mm-hmm. you know, this, this is probably one of the longest conversations we've actually had <laughs> yeah. um, because, you know, we see each other on dance floors or we see them at each other at parties and there's always a lot of music and it's, you know, frankly, it's hard to have this kind of dedicated time. Yeah. But we've always been kind of connected spiritually. And so what I get from you is just like ray of like inner light that you have about you, you know, which is awesome. Um, and why I gravitate toward you and so many people do. They want to mm-hmm. be in your presence, right? I mean, you're a great DJ, but you're just like a great person. And I think people get that. And so mm-hmm. when I remember you telling me about this, um, the Remix Your World concept, and we were on a dance floor, and what gave me goosebumps was the, um, I think, the joy that you were radiating about it and mm. the conviction that you had, you know? And I, don't, I didn't have access to what it actually was. I didn't really get it. Yeah. You know, life coach, what does that really mean? I don't really know what that is. But you know what? <laughs> I love Allison. And she's, like, super into it. And she has a lot of conviction about it. And so I can't but love this for her because she's mm-hmm. really passionate about it. Yeah. That's what makes your music so good, too, because you're really passionate about it. Mm. Um, now, and then, you know, I've, I think we've had multiple conversations. I've had lots of interactions with you about Remix Your World, including like reading web copy and, you know, yes. looking at speeches and things that you've given. Right. So, so I'm, I'm familiar with what you're doing, but it wasn't until now that I actually get what you're doing. Mm. Like I get it. And, and, you know, when I talk about allies, now I have this amazing ally in you who gets it, who gets what I'm going through. We can have this kind of a conversation and who I totally understand you on a level that I didn't understand you on, you know, a few months ago. I get that you're about transforming the world mm. and transforming people's experiences. And that's just like, that's a huge gift for me to understand you in that way. Um, and what makes that. you more special. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, we have something else that we can have little transformational conversations. <laughs> <laughs> On a dance floor. On a dance floor. So speaking of it's, dance floor, let's talk about music for a second. So like if yeah. you are in a breakdown moment, right? So Steven's on the ground. Give me like a power anthem that you would go to. Oh my gosh. I know this well, is hard because there's so many. <laughs> there's so many. Um, you know, I talked a little bit about Let the Joy Rise. Um, <sighs> which for me was my kind of coming out anthem. Mm. And again, not a coincidence that that was the first single that Toy and I ever released. Mm. Um, and if you go back to the lyrics of that song, it's about, it's about really finding joy within your heart. 
and being present to joy and greatness mm-hmm. around you. And in, you know, when, the, when there are dark clouds in your life about transforming that um, using the joy that's in your heart mm-hmm. and let the joy rise. And, um, you know, when we release that song, it's so not the kind of song that, uh, you know, really fits on the gay dance floor these days, but it didn't matter. It was just one of those songs that for me, uh, and I didn't even know at that time why I loved that song so much. I mean, it's a beautiful song, but there's lots of beautiful songs, but there's something about the message of that song yeah. that, um, that's really transformative. There's also, um, I'm working right now with Janice Robinson, who wrote Let the Joy Rise. Oh, um, she wrote on, that? <laughs> so Janice, uh, we've been working for about a year on a track called Just Live. Um, and when we started the, the project, I knew I wanted to do a song that was uplifting um, because that's you know, who I am and I try to be um, in my music especially. Um, and now that it's almost ready for release, I'm looking at the lyrics and really finding a lot of transformation in the words mm. or in the lyrics of this song. Um, and it's just about, the song is called Just Live. It's about just living, mm. just like living, really living, not being dead in your life. Yeah. Dead in your life. And that's what like, that's where I was six months ago. I was walking around like a zombie in my life, mm. in this life I ended up with. And this, there's ide- this idea of just live. It's like, just really live your life because you only got one of them. Make yeah. every moment count. Yeah, every moment count. Totally. That's so awesome. that's coming out, I don't know, maybe this year. I'm hoping it'll come out this summer. Um, nice. We're close to final on it. Um, so she's, but, yeah, singing, she's singing it as well. Yeah, well, she actually wrote it for us thinking that we would have someone else sing it. Um, okay. But then she couldn't give it away. So she said, <laughs> I need to be the vocalist. And I said, of course. Um, I mean, Janice Robinson's a legend. So, Oh my God. On Earth beat? Yeah. I know. Earth beat. I mean, like, wow. Yeah. That's so yeah. awesome. Well, good. Good. I know. Good. I'm excited. So that's coming. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. what do you think makes you, I'm curious about this. So, cause so like say six months ago, what do you feel like made you the happiest? And now, what do you feel like makes you the happiest? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I think that I've always been, um, I've been I, I find myself to be really happy when I'm surrounded by people I love. Mm. Um, you know, the big events, the big gigs, the successful consulting work that I do, um, you know, in my childhood and school, like the awards, the diplomas, all this stuff, none of that really make, has made me that happy. In fact, my mom, one of the things she said to me this weekend, she's like, look, I have a whole garage full of plaques and trophies and diplomas. What do you want me to do with it? And I was like, toss it. Like, none of that means anything to me. Yeah. You know, and, that, and in my, my initial response was toss it. I didn't even think about it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, there's something to be said in that. Like, whoa, you worked so hard for all that Get stuff. Those. And it doesn't make you happy. Mm. So, you know, what, what makes me happy is just, you know, being with my partner, Tim, and mm. Sean, and my friends. Um, and, you know, that dance floor makes me happy when I'm surrounded by the people I love. Yeah. That's, that is when I'm probably most happy. And I think what I wanted to find in life, kind of going into my 40th birthday and going through this landmark process, was just being happy with myself. Mm. And 
um, I've always found it really hard to be by myself mm. alone. Um, and you know, without being connected to something, Facebook, Instagram, like work, email, mm-hmm. music. Um, and I'm getting that I can be more by myself and disconnected and finding happiness there. And there's still work that I want to do toward that, but that's the possibility I'm creating. You know, the mm-hmm. possibility that I'm creating in my life is to just be present to greatness mm-hmm. yeah, that's in every moment. And that's, if, if I can do that, then I think there will be happiness in every moment. Yeah. yeah. Not just it, the escapist weekends, you know, right. at a circuit party. Yeah. And it's available at any moment too, the happiness. Like you can, it's yeah. there as a choice. It's like, oh, wow, I can choose happiness right now. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. What well, do you think? You know, the, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, one of the things that I've learned about myself is that when confronted with failure, I, have, I respond by working harder. Mm. Um, and that's been kind of the story of my life from really early in my life when my parents got divorced when I was four. Um, I remember vividly, we talked about this earlier, um, I remember vividly just sitting on the bed and my dad standing stoically next to the bed, my mom on the ground crying. And they said, you know, Stephen, we need to let you know that we're getting divorced, whatever they said. And um, my response, and I remember saying it, was, no, mommy, I promise I'll do better. I'll be better. Mm-hmm. You know, essentially, I'll work harder. And that act was created when I was four and is how I run my life, Allison. Mm-hmm. When faced with failure, I just dive into work. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter that I'm working for the thing that I'm actually failing at. I just dive into work to hide from whatever's happening in my life, hide from failure. You know, when I found my ex in the bathtub, what did I do? I dove into work and was at, like, at work the next day and running an AIDS organization in Russia and created this big thing and just, you know, one thing busy, after the next. Busy, the busy, next, busy, just, busy, busy. Yeah, just more, more, more. It's a hamster wheel of busy. Yeah. And I never can step off it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, when I got, I got that this weekend in this landmark advanced course. When I, when I got that, I was like, holy shit. No wonder I feel like I'm constantly in a rat race. Like I'm constantly in that hamster wheel of life. I never stop working mm-hmm. because I have a hard time being present to the greatness that it is right now. And if I would just be present to what is right now, I could just step off that hamster wheel and just enjoy yeah, and be present and happy. Yeah, And so that's what I'm creating for myself is like how to... You know, that, that act is always going to be there. I mean, even this morning, I was confronted with a little bit of a breakdown. Something happened with the remix that I submitted and the label doesn't like it and blah, 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 blah. And I was right. like, oh, I just can't deal with it. I'm just going to start working. <laughs> and, you know, it was like, you know, and then I was like, whoa, let's just be like, let me just pause for a second. And, you know, I'm, I'm in Seattle. It's a sunny day. I'm mm-hmm. about to talk to one of my best friends. <laughs> I... I'm super proud of this mix that we just submitted. It's awesome. Whether the label likes it or not, I don't really care. It's just beautiful. And whatever, you know, like I'm in this amazing moment. Why am I like allowing some person at, you know, some label manager at some label halfway around the world dictate that I'm not present to the sunshine and like the trees in Seattle are blossoming and I'm on the phone, you know, I'm talking to you, one of my best friends. And I'm not like, I just don't want to even think about it. I just want to be present to what it is right now and not just work harder to avoid what is. Because when you like stop and look around, you're like, wow, it's pretty great. Yeah. 
It's, you know, the, the hardest week for everyone, you know, whenever I get the feedback um, from CIJ and when I talk to the students after they graduate, the hardest week is the week of mindfulness and being present because of it. it, And it is the the absolute hardest and it's yet, it's the easiest week because all you really are asked to do is let go of literally everything. But like that in of itself is the hardest thing ever to just be fully present and just even in in a conversation, not picking up your phone when you're having a conversation with someone else, literally looking at somebody in the eye when you're talking to them. And it is every, every single graduate says by far the hardest week is being present. Yeah. And especially now with, with everything that we're, our technology, we're connected every, every single where that, that's why meditation, I mean, meditation has, is probably my greatest tool, you know, like ever I feel, I mean, outside of, you know, transformational work, but in terms of what I can do every single day, that is absolutely free meditation, like the saving grace of that. And it has taught me over and over again to just be here now. Yeah. It's also, you know, I've really, when you're mindful about the choices that you make in life, Mm. you really become present to the things that you're spending your time on, Mm. you know? So like, I don't think about Facebook or Instagram, you know, and you think about these tools that have become central to our lives. You know, these things decide elections for God's sakes. You know, I mean, it becomes so central to our lives and yet these things offer a filter not mm-hmm. just one filter, they offer 25 filters <laughs> so that you can filter over your reality and present some inauthentic version of yourself. So it's yeah. not only is it the perfect photo, but it's the perfect filtered photo that's associated with the perfect caption mm. and the perfect emoji out of you know 700 yeah. that somehow represents what you're supposed to be feeling mm-hmm. in that moment. And you know, not only are you... Not only does it have that, but then, you know, Facebook offers you to feel something and then you can say, I feel great or I've been feeling excited. And it's just like layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of empty words and meaningless BS that just creates a whole life of inauthenticity. And yet, you know, as Americans, I think the average is that we spend like two and a half hours or three hours a day on Facebook. Mm. It's like, holy shit. So we're spending, you know, I'm choosing to spend time in a realm, in a world of inauthenticity. Yeah. And I find myself doing that. I, you know, I'm addicted just like everyone else. Yeah. And I sit there on these, you know, um, and it's hard to break from that, mm-hmm. but you know, you choose, I want to choose a life where I'm surrounded by authentic, transformed people. Mm-hmm. And I, that really just means for me, like sometimes stepping away yeah. from this world that we live in. Cause what we live in right now, probably more than ever is celebrating inauthenticity. I mean, we're asked to like not just like love in authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, it creates this, this uh, effect on us for those that are posting. And if then it, then it becomes the comparison of, oh, I didn't get my likes today. And nobody loved my post today. And I didn't, then it falls into the story of I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. See, nobody liked oh. my photo. Nobody liked my, and it creates this thing, you know, like this cycle. And I, you know, I, I, mean, that, that's I am part of why just I, I, everyone else. No, we all are. We all are. So I, I've gotten to this, into this practice where I don't um, get on as much on the weekend. Like I'm like, yeah. you know, unless I'm at a gig and this, this and that, but like on my off weekends, 
I'm not even because a my feed is full of not full of nightclubs and I, I don't just don't yeah. want to see that on, on my weekend off. I'm like I'm trying I don't I'm not in one. I don't want to see it right now. <laughs> um, but it was part of like two of like why I even created the Facebook the Remix World group is like so that in the Remix World group at least it's it's all positivity. It's all things that we can talk about. It's like it's something that's that's real. Like, let's talk about like what yeah. we're grateful for, you know, because my, yeah. the feed, my feed is, I, I can't stand it. You know, it's just, it's crazy. It is crazy. It's crazy. I mean, and, and, you know, and I don't want to sound like I'm on some high horse either, you know, because I, we live in this environment, you yeah. know, we now li- like, whether or like, whether we like it or not, we as individuals and as professionals in the music business and yeah, you, in, we have you know, for business, we, we have to be connected. Yeah. Yeah. And so being connected just means having, instead of being the victim of whatever we're seeing there, you can transform that and have real power in it. Yes. You know? And so what I'm, what I'm used to try to think about, and this is kind of in every part of my life, because um, you know, I have created an entire brand and music mm. that's hidden behind a, some stage name that isn't even my name. Mm. And so that for me right now is something I'm really confronting because it feels a little inauthentic. Mm. And so it's kind of how do you, inside the world that we live in, how do you live an authentic life? And how do you mm. operate on Facebook? How do you absorb that information on Facebook in a way that really siphons the authenticity from the inauthenticity and use it as a platform for good and change? Because it can be. Mm. You know, I believe that it can be. Um, there's a real connectivity power in Facebook and in, in, the, in the world we live in in social media today. Um, but it's really you, just about how you engage it, how you absorb the information and what you put out. Yeah. Do, do you feel like it makes you feel that it's inauthentic just because it's not your name? Cause it's a stage name. No, you know, I think what, what has been a struggle for me is that I started DJing as a hobby you know, I kind of mm. fell into this business and you know the story. Yeah. Um, most people don't know. The but daily, the daily started girl, out, right? Yeah. Like I had a, I, I, I was um, volunteering as a spin instructor in San Francisco, um, helping students who were doing the AIDS ride mm. by offering free spin classes at the local gym. And I created this like relationship with the gym whereby a student or people who were registered for the age where I could come and take my class for free. Mm. And so that helped the gym because it gave these, you know, gave them people to come in and experience the gym. It helped the age ride because these folks could have, you know, free spin classes. And it was for me a creative outlet. I could, you know, it was was my way to give back. The class was called the daily grind. And, um, you know, I started creating these playlists for my class and, Mm. People in my class like my music, and so I posted them online. Posted the the the, the, the songs online, and I would I created a blog on, on Facebook actually called the Daily Grind, hmm. um, where I you know highlighted a song or featured a song every day. And um, my best girlfriend and I actually would we started this just kind of back and forth, and it became this thing. And um, so the Daily Grind evolved into DJ Grind uh, because someone in my spin class owned a bar in San Francisco, and he was like, "Hey, you know, you taste the music is great. Like, you should come in to the." to my bar when it were closed and like learn how to DJ. And I was like, I don't know anything about DJing. You know, just come in, you know, whatever. So Amy and I would go in on Sunday mornings at nine when the gym or when the, uh, when the bar was closed and I powered up YouTube and I learned how to beat match on YouTube. Like that's how I learned. And then, and this guy, Chris, who owns, it's the bar is the lookout still there. You know, when, uh, when he was short at DJ one day, he said to me, Hey, will you come in and fill in? And I was like, I don't, I'm not a DJ. Like I have a full-time job, 
This right. is just, I'm a, I'm a spin instructor. That's what I got time for. He's like, just come in, whatever. It's like a happy hour on a Thursday. There'd be like five people there. Just come. Right. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll come. What do we, he's like, what do we call you? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, well, DJ Steven just sounds kind of lame. I'm like, yeah, it does. <laughs> like, well, we'll just call you DJ Grind. I'm like, fine, DJ Grind. And, wow. you know, that's how that was born. And I've never been able to shake it. Um, and it's easy to remember and all this, you know, things that make it marketable. Yeah. Um, but it just kind of happens. It's very marketable. Yeah. Totally. In terms you know, of a brand, I, absolutely. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it worked for me. Um, yeah. What has felt, so, you know, I started in this, so it was kind of as a hobby, as mm-hmm. a, a way to um, share, you know, first share music and, 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 I discovered a lot about myself in it. Um, it became a me- an avenue for me to unleash joy that I had trapped inside of me, but at the time didn't realize was hidden behind all the layers of shame and guilt and story and mm. sadness associated with my past. Right. Um, and, you know, I think that I've been really consistent over time with that joyful brand. I mean, every, you know, I, I kind of the, I try to always be positive in music. I, the sets that I create, the music that I create, even if I'm playing an after-hours set, it's always kind of uplifting and joyful sound. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the anthem stuff that I'm probably best known for is like that super, you know, let the joy rise kind of big anthem stuff, which is what I love to create and what I love to play. What feels inauthentic is that I got really in the rat race of working in this business mm. where nothing was satisfying, that it mm. was gig after gig, bigger and bigger, more work, more work, harder, harder. And somewhere there, I lost my soul of this being a passion. It became about the validation of the next single, the next remix, the next billboard, number one, the next, this, the next, that. Yeah. And that just becomes inauthentic. And Mm -hmm. I think that's where I was at the middle of last year where I I had, you know, at the top of my game, never in my wildest dreams as a spin instructor, you know, or some, you know, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. DJ on YouTube at the lookout that I ever think that I'd be headlining white party, you know, right. or winter party or whatever, you know, so yeah. it's an amazing journey, but it actually wasn't that gratifying. It was, it was just like all those plaques and trophies and diplomas in, in the, the garage. garage. Right. Just like, I don't need any of it. It's just not gratifying for me because I've lost myself somewhere. And so what I'm, what I'm creating for myself now is to really get to the root of what drives me in a positive way in music. You know, what is it that, where's, where's the source of inspiration there for me? And then transforming that and letting that be about, you know, be the center of why I stay or, or not in this business. Yeah. You know, I don't want it to be a business. I have a, I have a and, and you know, I, I'm very fortunate that I don't DJ for a living. I have a full-time job outside of music. So instead of um, running a rat race and... Mm-hmm never being satisfied. I just want to stop, be present to the sort of extraordinary opportunity that I've created and be present to like just enjoying it and playing music that's in my heart rather than what's popular on the radio or Mm -hmm. doing gigs because I really want to do them. Not because taking the gigs that that you want. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to feel like I'm in the prison cell of, of a business where I'm constantly having to do the next best thing. Cause I'll never get there. There's, there's, you'll never get there. Never. It's the unanswerable question in life. Am I good enough? You'll never answer that question. Mm-hmm. It's unanswerable for a reason. You'll <laughs> never answer it. So when you're present to that, you can let the question go and just be present yeah. and enjoy it again. And that's where I feel like I'm at right now. Like I feel like I'm doing some of the best work that I've done in music maybe ever. Um, and 
I'm, I'm showing up at events when I'm playing with a completely different mindset. And I think yeah. it's reflected in, my, in the sets I play. Yeah. It's so, it's, I love listening to you talk about this because it's like, I've, this is exactly what I, what I went through and when I created Remix Your World. And now I play with such a different, it's so different now when I do play and when I do take the gigs. I mean, yeah. I, I cut my tour in, oh my gosh, like in less than half now. You know, it's like I went from like yeah. 32 weekends a year to like 20 to like 18. I think this year I'm playing like 12 gigs. You know, it's like this, this yeah. thing. And it's like, but I'm enjoying it so much more. And the music that I'm creating now, you know, it's like be, the time in between not being on the road every freaking weekend, like allows me to then really like put soul into what I'm creating in, in terms of, you know, the Yomtronica sound and this album and that sensual vibe. And that, whereas when I was on the road every weekend, not being able to really play that, that sound, I was never connected yeah. to it. You know, yeah. so it's like it now it's like, I have all this freedom to be able to like, play what's make what's really in my heart, you know? So I, I totally, I mean, we're on the same page. I get you. Like, and you've amazing. created a clearing for yourself to be able to have access to that. That's yes. the thing. Yeah. Which it's like allowed awesome. the space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, it, and it's not to disparage anyone else's journey in this business, you know, no. because every DJ has their own journey and some DJs work not just every weekend, they work two or three cities in every weekend. And yeah. if that's a journey that feels authentic to them and awesome for them, then like, Amazing, and I yeah. want to celebrate those people and let them do that. Um, you know, yeah, that might be their, their call. They they're called. Yeah, totally. Now and I like, think what se- what separates Allison, like a, a good DJ from a great DJ, for me, is not so much how often they work or the type of music they play, because some of the best DJs for me are DJs who play music that I would never play myself. Mm. But when you see them. And when they're in that booth or you hear in their podcast um, or in a set that they post online, you hear authenticity. Mm. Like it's an yeah. extension of their soul. That's artistry. Yeah. You know, beat matching, anybody can do. And some people can, you know, play tricks on the mixer. And I will be the first to tell you, I am like not the trickster on the mixer. I'm on the mixer. I don't know any of, you know, I'm not great on them. I'm not the best DJ technically. Um, but what I'm inspired by it's just the way people or the way a DJ can create a set or create music as an extension of their soul. Mm. And I lost that last year. And it does, you know, I don't the, probably, I don't know if people noticed that, but I really lost that last year. It was no longer an extension of my soul. Mm. And that's really, really what I want to, what I want to be, whether or not I stay in the DJ business or, you know, and, 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 you know, and I've had talk, talks about retiring and, you know, thinking about what's next for me in music what I really want is just to make sure that I have access to music as an extension of my soul mm-hmm. rather than as something I'm trying to prove or, or some, yeah. yeah, or achieve. Yeah. Amazing. So what do you think people would be surprised to learn about you? <laughs> uh, I mean, besides 40, this entire 40. conversation, most yeah. people are going to be surprised. Most people are going to be surprised. <laughs> Well, because most people have an, you know, most people have a, I think an image of me, right? A story about me. We we do that about everybody. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think people, most people don't know that I work full time. Most people mm-hmm. think I am a DJ full time. Um, you know, uh, most people don't know that I've gone through 
I've had some trauma in my life. Mm. Um, some re- I don't even know that you knew all of that, Allison, until today. Um, and so, yeah, I think people, I want people to, I just want people to know me. Yeah. Um, and I think people will, when I, when I was contemplating or when I started, first started thinking about retiring from the music business, I was really struggling with this idea that if I wasn't a DJ, people wouldn't love me. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, you, I hear you know that, right? You. Amen. Yeah. I know that really well. Yeah. And I, because it feels good to be loved. Mm-hmm. It does. It just does. Yeah. Um, but what I'm realizing is that I think people are going to really love me when they get to know me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because in you the know? end, it's like, it's, it's, that's what you, it, DJing isn't who you are. It's what you do. You know? Yeah. yeah. You know, and and who, I, and you know, you know I, I, here in this moment, us having this conversation, you know, like this is absolutely real talk. That's who you are. And it feels, it's so liberating, mm. you know, for most people who are listening to this or who know me, they don't know any of this about me. Mm. Well, I, most people, very few people know this about me and I am able to share it publicly. And that's uh, not something that I've ever been able to do. I'm honored that you came to talk about it. And I think it's beautiful. And I wish people could see you right now because I could see you and you just, you know, I just love the light in your eye and being able to see your smile. And I so, God, I mean, it's like I get everything that you're saying. I can feel it. I feel it in my bones because I've been in it, you know, and it's like, and to witness it is just so beautiful, you know. It is. It's a beautiful transformation. What What do you think the biggest lesson in all of it and remixing yourself completely and fully transformed and in the process of still, you know, knowing that transformation never finishes, right? It's always this constant growing. What do you think the biggest lesson thus far has been? I think the biggest lesson for me is that you can actually remix your life. You really can. Yeah. It's not about fixing or changing anything. It's really just about transforming your life. Yeah. Um, and every single one of us has the power to do it. Yeah. It just requires you to show up authentically, be honest with yourself, um, really invest authentically in the people in your life. It doesn't take a ton of time. I mean, you know, I cleaned up 20 something years with my mom in 30 minutes over a burger. <laughs> doesn't require, does it just requires a conversation. And what I, what I, love so much about this discovery is that when you show up authentically with people, it's amazing how much, how quickly they return that favor. Mm-hmm. You know, when you just yeah. present yourself authentically, people show up authentically because every single person just desperately wants to be themselves. Yeah. It's like the mask we, just gets dropped, you know, yeah. you know, it's like, ah, yeah. you've got that too. Oh, you've got that story in your head too. Oh, it tells you that too. You know, and it's just crazy. <laughs> That, you know, it's like it's in the um, in the second week of CIJ, we deal with a story, you know, the voice in our heads. And like yeah. to witness people who've never even said out loud, oh, fuck, you mean I'm not the only one that has this? You know, yeah. it's like sometimes and it's like to be witness to that is like, oh, wow. You know, then the liberation of like, holy shit, I'm not crazy. I, I You have this voice in your head, too. You've got that, too. And right. then it, it's that dropping and that un 
you know, letting the veil go of like, wow, you know, I see you, I see you, you know, like that thing. Well, there's humanity in everybody. All those people we pass on the street every day, every single one of those people is just like you and me. They have two arms, two legs, two eyes and a heart, you know, they're just people. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've learned so much about humanity in such a short amount of time. It's almost impossible. It's, it's, it's really difficult to describe and it's almost impossible to comprehend Mm. the shift that I've been present to over the past few months. I'm just thinking about humanity, you know, Mm. giving, transforming my mom from what I thought she was into who she really is. Mm. You know, and, and if I can do it with her and I can do it with, you know, everyone in my life. And um, when you start waking up to the human beings that are in your life, mm. like literally beauty is all around you. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So fast yeah. forward 20 years, what do you see for yourself? What's the possibility that you're creating? I hope that uh, I'm on a conversation like this with you. Let's do that again. Let's do this again in 20 years. Yes. We'll do it. I don't know. You know, the the possibilities um, are kind of endless, right? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not like creating. I don't want to. Here's what I know is not going to be in 20 years. I'm not going to be creating a future out of my past. Yes. Don't need to do that. My past actually has no bearing on the future. Yes. My past is in the past. My future is in the future and I'm living today. Yes. And so, you know, I'm not going to create my future out of my past. And I'm also not going to create the future out of the future. Mm-hmm. I have nowhere to go. Yeah. If I have somewhere to go, I'm not going to be present to what is today. Mm. And so in 20 years from now, I hope I'm sitting on a chair, having a conversation with someone I love. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. So it's all said and I done. Come back. What do you think of this whole thing has been about this thing called life? <laughs> you know, life is about about one percent what happens and ninety nine percent of the way we react to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and let's just be more present to what actually happens. Yeah, presence and create from that. Yeah, because that's where yeah, true, the power the power comes from in that. Presence. There is no meaning in life. That's the thing. Like that's kind of the that's kind of the sick joke at the end of it all. Mm. Is that life is pretty empty and meaningless. Mm. We are meaning-making machines. That's what people are. We assign meaning to everything. Everything. Mm. It's impossible for human beings to not assign meaning to them, to everything around you. Um, every, you know, the interaction at the coffee shop in the morning and what that person is wearing and the color of their skin at the other, on the other side of the counter, the homeless person that you walk by on the street, the, you know, the news that you read, the, you're, we're constantly assigning meaning in every second of the day to things. Yeah. What's really powerful when you're when you when you understand that and you get that, there's two ways to look at it. One way to look at it is all those things you know we as human beings have assigned meaning to, and therefore I have to live inside of this world, this fic- this fictitious world where everything has been assigned meaning, mm-hmm. right? Or you can have real power over it and recognize that you can unassign meaning or take away meaning from certain things too. Yeah. And, you know, everything in our world is only means something because we use language to assign meaning to it. And you can transform that. You can take that away. And so, you know, what someone, what, you know, what the person at the counter didn't smile back or, 
you know, didn't say thank you when I bought the coffee this morning. There's meaning or there's not meaning. Like, let it all go. Don't, you know, and I, I really, that's what like being really present is. And also recognize that we're just all human beings, like trying to survive in life. Yeah. You know, we, we kind of somehow ended up on this thing called planet Earth. We occupy the same space and we all just kind of want to live as long as we can and have the best possible life we can. Mm. And if you're living inside of the world of meanings that other people have assigned and you carry all that baggage and burden and pain and sadness and despair, it's just, you're going to be dead before you have a chance to live. You know, and you just walk around dead all the time. Yeah. And I, I reckon that like 40 years of my life, a lot of that, I've just been kind of dead. Yeah. And there's this power too of like, it's, it, you can choose. Here's the thing too, even with the meanings is like, you can choose, you still have a choice even in the meanings, like, right. So which vibration do you want to vibe with? You want to vibe with high vibe vibrations if you don't, you know, or do you want to choose to vibe with low vibes? It's the same, you know, it's this thing. Where do you want to resonate? You know, it's, it's incredibly powerful. Yeah. Well, it's been so awesome talking to you and I'm so proud of you and I love your story and I just love you as a human. And I mean, I wish I could give you a virtual hug, big zoom hug. Um, but no, I just, I acknowledge your, you know, your courage to come on and, and, and even share this, you know, well, thank you. Because a lot of people didn't know this, you know, and this is the purpose of this. You know, it's like, I would just want the more people hear about others' breakthroughs, the more the inspired that they would be to, you know, drop the story and break through themselves, you know, and that's, that's the purpose of this. So I appreciate you being here and being authentic and showing your passion. And I just love you to fucking pieces. Well, I, I love you too. And you, you might, I don't know if you remember this, but I think it was maybe in December, November of last year when you called me and you told me that you were going to do a podcast series mm. and asked me what I thought. Mm. And I, at that moment, would have never thought that I would be on your podcast series talking about <laughs> transformation and telling you things that I have literally not told. I've told very few people in the world. Um, mm. and, and so I just want to acknowledge you and thank you for giving me this platform and creating a safe space for me to do that. Mm. to share myself authentically. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't, I'm not, it, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at you because we're, we're using a video conference to do this. And so that takes away a lot of the fear because I see in your eyes, nothing but love mm. and, um, acceptance and no judgment or, you know, you're not assigning meaning mm. to anything, um, other than gratitude, which I see for me just sharing myself authentically. And that's, you know, that's the connection that we have. It's awesome. I love you. I love so you much. Too. Well, you can come back anytime, anytime. All right. <laughs> I, I, I'd be honored. So where can people find you? Where's the best way to, to, to find you and get a hold of you or listen to you or, or share to anything, just be connected to you. Yeah. Well, I'm, um, you know, here we've talked about Facebook. I'm on Facebook. Um, both as myself. <laughs> we, all have, we all have to be Facebook. Oh. We have to be, yeah. It's, it's called um, business. And yeah, DJ Grind, and of course, I'm on iTunes and Podomatic and all that stuff for the music. Um, but yeah, if you if someone wants to talk to me about transformation or about anything that I've shared today, find me on Facebook and send me an email, send me a message. I'd love to chat with anybody. Um, or um, you know, I can make my email available to um, through your podcast uh, link or whatever. Yeah, so yeah I'm going to link me directly. I'll link everything up too as well. And yeah. you're also. Um, 
in the um, in the Remix World group. So when I launch this, I'll have a question and I'll tag you in the group. And then if awesome. I want to ask you, through, yeah. just so we can continue the conversation there in the group. Yeah. And I, you know, also I get around. <laughs> I live in Portland, but, um, you know, events and whatnot. And if anybody wants, doesn't, have, doesn't feel like they want to send me an email or um, wants it to be a little bit more in person or, you know, I'm happy to talk to anybody at any time. Um, come up to me and talk to me about it. I'd be happy to share. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. And have a great rest of your day. And um, thanks to everyone who's listening. Um, I, I really appreciate you guys taking the time. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you uh, soon. Be good. Bye. Bye. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed Stephen and I's conversation as much as I did. If you found something insightful and you'd like to share, please jump into the Facebook group and let us know. Uh, Stephen is a member of the Remix Your World Insiders, and I'm going to tag him in a Q&A after this is launched. Also, I know that we did speak about suicide. It is a subject that does not need to be taken lightly. If you or anyone that you know has been considering suicide, please seek help, ask for help, reach out for help, talk to a friend, talk to a neighbor, talk to a therapist, talk to me, talk to anyone. And there's also the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at suicidepreventionlifeline.org so that you can receive the help and guidance that you need. For those of you who are seeking to start out your transformational journey, I have a resource guide that I'd like to offer you for free. We talked a lot about Landmark Education and my program, CIJ. Neither of those may work for you. Transformation is a lot like music. You have to choose what moves you. I've put together a resource guide of personal work that I have found to be the most transformative for me on my journey, and I would like to share it with you. So I'll link this up in the show notes. Or if you would prefer for me to email it to you, text the words Remix Resources, all one word, Remix Resources, to the number 44222, and I will send it directly to you. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, consider becoming a Patreon member. Patreon is a great service to help creatives like me get my content out to people like you. For as little as a dollar a month, you can support this podcast and receive some rewards for doing so. So head on over to patreon.com slash remix your world and consider becoming a member. I'll greatly appreciate it. Thank you.